Hey y'all, I'm your host Peyton, and today's episode is about a missing woman that vanished from her home in Vivian, Louisiana while making dinner. The only clues left behind were a pot of food cooking on the stove and a melted remote control on the counter. This is The Crimes Picking. Martha Mullins was picking up her granddaughter from school on the afternoon of Wednesday, January 22, 2020, when she received a call from her daughter's husband, Kevin. This wasn't uncommon, though, as her daughter Dorothy would frequently use his phone to keep in touch with her mom because hers wasn't working. However, it wasn't her daughter on the other end of the line. This time, it was Kevin. He was calling to let her know that he hadn't seen Dorothy since he left to go look for a job the day before, and when he returned home a couple of hours later, Dorothy was gone. In spite of no one having seen Dorothy in roughly 24 hours, it wouldn't be until another 48 went by before she was reported missing. This was because Dorothy had been known to randomly go stay with friends for a few days before returning home. It happened often enough that Kevin didn't usually contact Dorothy's parents out of concern until around day three, but this time it had been just one. Martha was interviewed by The Vanished Podcast, where she recalls the conversation her husband-slash-Dorothy's stepfather had with police on Friday, January 24th, two days after she learned of their daughter's disappearance. I'm going to mention The Vanished Podcast several times throughout this episode because they're really the only media source that has extensively covered Dorothy's story. I'll have it linked on my Facebook page if you want to give it a listen. Dorothy's stepfather, Chester, was told by the Caddo Parish Sheriff's Office that there wasn't much they could do since not enough time had gone by, but that they would have an officer go out and speak with the husband. And, side note, there is no set time that you have to wait to report someone missing. It doesn't matter if someone is missing for two days or two hours, you can report them as missing. Now, the circumstances with Dorothy are a little different because, like I said earlier, It wasn't out of the ordinary for her to slip off to a friend's house for a couple of days, but I wanted to quash that myth for anyone that didn't know. It wasn't until Dorothy missed her daughter's birthday party on Saturday that her family really began to get concerned. That's when Martha decided to call the sheriff's office herself. She told the Vanished podcast that Dorothy would have found a way to call her daughter, Emma Jo, to let her know she wasn't going to make her party. You see, Dorothy's parents gained full custody of Emma Jo sometime in 2019. Dorothy and Kevin struggled to create and maintain a safe space for their daughter to live, and it was decided that Emma Jo would be best under the care of Martha and Chester, who lived an hour away in Shreveport. Though Dorothy's struggles began way before 2019. Martha told the Vanish podcast that Dorothy was adopted around five days old by her and her then-husband. She's described as a mama's girl, and this was signified by Dorothy wanting to attend elementary school where her mom was a teacher, the same elementary school where I would eventually attend years later. I actually unknowingly followed in Dorothy's footsteps and attended the same elementary, middle, and high school as she did. Dorothy's parents split up when she was in the eighth grade, and she took this really hard. 
Martha said that she, quote, blamed a lot of her problems and distress on the divorce at that time, end quote. But things started to look up once Dorothy made it to high school and met her friend Amy, who was also interviewed by the Vanished podcast. Amy described Dorothy as, quote, a special person and one of the sweetest people she knows with a heart like nobody else. Unfortunately, the two went their separate ways when it came time to go to college. Dorothy going west to Baylor and Amy going east to ULM, but they continued to remain as close as they could from five hours away. Dorothy had one semester left to complete her degree when she fell victim to opioids after being prescribed hydrocodone to help combat the pain from a staph infection. She remained in a constant battle between using and wanting to get clean, but the painkillers had already done their damage on her body. Years of opiate usage can physically alter the brain and its ability to produce dopamine, which leaves the user feeling like they can't feel good without it, thus leading to an addiction. Over the next several years, Dorothy's struggles with drugs never ceased, even after finding out she was pregnant with her first child around 2006. By the time he was eight months old, the child's father was granted custody as a result of Dorothy's inability to stay clean. According to Martha, Dorothy would enter 10 rehab facilities in an attempt to get her life back on track. And she started to, until she met Kevin. Their relationship was volatile and violent. It was full of drugs and emergency room visits at the hands of Kevin, literally. Martha said she tried so hard to get her to leave him. But if you've ever been a victim of the seemingly unbreakable cycle of domestic violence, or if you've ever witnessed a loved one go through it, you know just how impossible it feels to leave. Dorothy wound up pregnant and was due to give birth early 2014, but a fight with Kevin resulted in her daughter, Emma Jo, arriving one month early. From the hospital, Emma Jo went home with Martha and Chester, while Dorothy went to an undisclosed home for battered women. But it wasn't long before Kevin picked Dorothy up from the home and brought her back to Vivian. Due to the circumstances, the court required that the two go to rehab, and once they completed that program, they had to continue their recovery by going to therapy and speaking with counselors. Kevin was encouraged to attend anger management classes, but he refused. Martha details the change in custody throughout Emma Jo's infancy on the Vanish podcast if you'd like to hear about how Dorothy and Kevin were able to regain custody of their daughter for a short while before losing it again in 2019. Shortly before Dorothy went missing, she told her parents she was ready to leave Vivian and get clean. And that's exactly what her parents helped her do. Martha got her set up at a halfway house in Shreveport where she stayed for about a week before Kevin demanded that she go back to Vivian. The level of control Kevin employed against Dorothy got so restrictive he began denying her time with her own daughter. Their daughter. The last time Dorothy had spoken with Emma Jo was on January 20th, two days before her mom received the call from Kevin saying that she was missing. Martha shared with the Vanish podcast that the tone of the last call with Dorothy was really emotional. Dorothy was calling to tell Emma Jo happy birthday and to let her know that she wouldn't be able to see her that day because Kevin wouldn't let her. He said that because they were going to drive down Saturday for the party, he wasn't going to bring her that Monday too. And y'all, Kevin isn't even supposed to be driving. 
It wasn't ever made clear if his license was suspended or what, but whatever the reason, he wasn't supposed to be driving. And from what I've gathered, if he wasn't driving, nobody was driving. He would go as far as disabling the vehicle so Dorothy wasn't able to drive it, despite her actually having a license. During that phone call with Emma Jo on Monday, Dorothy reassured her daughter that she would be there on Saturday for her party. But remember that when Dorothy did not show up for her daughter's party, that's when Martha called the Caddo Parish Sheriff's Office herself. The Sheriff's Office had an officer return to the home that following Monday, January 27th, and took a statement from Kevin. The Vanish podcast revealed some of the contents of his statement. In addition to telling the officer that Dorothy was gone when he returned home from looking for a job, he mentions her battle with drug use and how he was trying to help her stay clean. He added that Dorothy had become paranoid and suspected she might be using again. A few days later, investigators followed up with Kevin to see if he had any updates or other information that would help with the search for his wife. According to the Vanish podcast, this is when he recounted an incident that occurred the day before Dorothy disappeared. Kevin said that on the 20th, Dorothy rode to town to buy drugs and not sure how Dorothy got to town if he wasn't allowing her to drive the vehicle, but continuing on. Kevin said that Dorothy told him that a police officer pulled into the parking lot she was in and out of fear of getting caught, she swallowed the bag of methamphetamine she had just purchased. He said this caused her to stay up all night acting crazy. When Kevin told this story to Martha, he described Dorothy as being pretty wasted and expressed how angry he was with her. This would have been a great time to use those skills he would have learned in anger management classes, but he refused to attend. And before I continue, I have a question about the statement Kevin made prior to this discussion with investigators. Remember when I said that Kevin suspected Dorothy might be using again? Why would he say he suspected if he knew she was high the day before she disappeared? Kevin's statement continued with him describing the state of the kitchen when he returned home from searching for a job. He said that the house was full of smoke and the remote control was on the wood stove, melted, along with a rag coated in ointment. The Caddo Parish Sheriff's Office visited the McCatherine property on Airport Road for a third time on Monday, February 3rd, 13 days after Dorothy was last seen there. According to an article by KTAL, the Sheriff's Office was joined by the Shreveport Fire Department's Canine Search and Rescue Task Force Arclitex Canine Search and Rescue Team, and Canine Spirit. In addition to the canine units, a drone was used to search the almost 30-acre land, which is roughly 22 football fields for anyone wondering. Although nothing significant was found, investigators did find some random belongings of Dorothy's roughly 3 to 400 feet from her home. A watch, a knit cap, a feather boa, and some jewelry that Martha had recognized as some she'd given to Dorothy for her to fix up. The Vanish podcast was the only source to mention that these items had been found, so I asked Martha more about where they were found in relation to one another, and she said that they were scattered but close. The McCatherine home sits roughly 0.35 miles from the main road and is almost completely surrounded by woods. There's a video on the Caddo Parish Sheriff's Office Facebook page showing them using drones to search the area. And even though it's winter and the trees are bare, 
You can see the massive amounts of leaves and trees and fallen limbs that encompass the property. A week later, investigators talked with a man that was said to have been with Kevin when he returned home on January 21st. He's referred to as both Kevin's friend and his cousin in the Vanished podcast episode, but whatever he is, we're just going to call him Hank. Now, Hank says that he saw and spoke to Dorothy before the two men left that afternoon. He says that when they returned, the door to the wood stove was left open and there was wood smoldering inside. And this is where the two accounts differ. Remember Kevin said that the remote control was left partially melted on the wood stove. Well, Hank says that it was a spatula that was melted on the stove and the burnt remote was in the bathroom along with a wet towel. And maybe I'm reading too far into it, but in a case where there's literally nothing, I believe that every detail matters. Hank also said that Dorothy's purse had been dumped out and her clothes were strewn about the house. By the early spring of 2020, the small town of Vivian had been painted with Dorothy's picture. Businesses that Dorothy frequented displayed a missing persons flyer with information about her disappearance. February turned into March, and March turned into April without any new information about Dorothy's whereabouts. That was until the manager of a gas station called the police, saying that a newspaper clipping regarding Dorothy's disappearance had been found next to their credit card machine. Martha told the Vanish podcast that the newspaper clipping had handwritten maps that appeared to be a car wash, a grassy field, and a tan office building, though it didn't say what town or even what state they were located in, or even what correlation it had to Dorothy's disappearance. Around this time, Kevin mysteriously found another phone under their porch. When the Caddo Parish Sheriff's Office discovered this information, they asked Kevin to bring in that phone in addition to the one Dorothy left behind so they could be searched for potential clues that could lead to her whereabouts. But of course, Kevin wanted them to come get the phones. It wasn't until Kevin brought the phones to Martha at Emma Jo's soccer game an entire year later that CPSO was able to try and extract data from them. But wouldn't you know, both phones were broken and nothing was pulled off of them. And that's where the information from the Vanish podcast and all other source material ended. But when I asked Martha if any new information had been brought forward since the release of that episode in September of 2021, she said yes. Dorothy had gotten a job at a restaurant in town, but Kevin allegedly wouldn't let her go to work. On the day she disappeared, she called the restaurant and told them that she and Kevin weren't getting along and asked if she could still work there. During this call, the restaurant employee said that someone entered Dorothy's vicinity and whoever it was was the last person to see her. The call took place just before Kevin said he got home. I asked Martha if this call was made from the McCatherine's home phone because we know that Dorothy did not have a working cell phone. She said that she wasn't sure and also wasn't sure if investigators even looked into the lead in the first place. But let's assume that it did happen exactly as it was told to Martha. It makes my brain spin with questions and think about all the possibilities of who that individual was and what happened to Dorothy after that phone call ended. Of course, my first thought is the husband. And statistically, at least according to the National Resource Center on Domestic Violence, 
Two out of every five female murder victims are killed by their husbands or intimate partners. But I have zero evidence to prove that he did do it. Dorothy reportedly said that if something ever happened to her, Kevin did it. And Kevin himself was heard saying that he'd kill her and bury her in some place that nobody will ever find. Combine that with years of known domestic violence and a splash of uncontrollable anger issues and you've got the perfect recipe for homicide. However, being a terrible husband does not equate to being a murderer. Kevin was given the opportunity to share his opinion regarding his wife's disappearance on the Vanish podcast. And y'all, y'all have got to go listen to it for yourselves. But before you do, I want to highlight a few things that stood out to me. The host, Marissa, says that they asked him to talk about Dorothy and their relationship. He said, quote, When she's good, she's real good. But when things are bad, she's real bad. Both of us were drug addicts. We had a daughter together. We were married for six years. She went to like 10 drug rehabilitation things. I only went to one, end quote. And he continues on about Dorothy's struggles. It took him over 30 seconds to say anything about what she meant to him. He said, quote, she's the love of my life, and then starts talking about their daughter. I don't want to spend too much time on this because I'm not sure if the audio had been edited or if that's typically how detached he is from his emotions, but I really don't like how he responded to that question. Over the next few minutes, he talks about how Dorothy would leave for a few days and about her drug use and how she'd lost so much weight recently. Then around the one hour, 10 minute mark, he says this, quote, I went to look at a job. I came back and she was gone. You see where she started cooking some things in the kitchen, which I told her I'd been up all night. The night before she stayed up all night long and she was high and she seemed like she was scared to death, end quote. So he's talking about how once he returned home, the pot was on the stove where she had been cooking and he's telling her he had been up all night, but he catches himself and switches to how she stayed up all night long. The conversation completely changed from when he got home the day she went missing to her behavior the night before. About a minute later, he shares what he thinks happened to his wife. Quote, I think that she overdosed or somebody gave her something to overdose. Police said that they think she might still be alive. I find that really hard to believe, end quote. The last thing I'm going to emphasize from Kevin's interview is something that slightly contradicts what he said previously. He says, quote, I figured she went down to Walmart because she did burn her hand here. She burned her hand. She set the TV control on the top part, the flat top in the kitchen that heats up. The remote control was almost burnt in half to where the batteries were melted. And she brought the remote into the bathroom and put it in there. You know, she looked like she burned her hand. I imagine that she did. She used some burn cream that I had. I figured she went to Walmart because her hand was hurting." End quote. During that follow-up call with investigators at the end of January 2020, Kevin stated that the remote was found melted to the wood stove next to a rag with ointment. And now his most current statement matches the one his alibi made on February 10, 2020. Also, how is he so confidently able to say that Dorothy burnt her hand if he didn't see her when he returned? And to be able to provide a play-by-play as to how the remote was melted and ended up in the bathroom. I feel just as he did before, he catches himself and says he imagined she did. 
Because there is zero proof of any involvement by anyone, some believe that Dorothy's disappearance was accidental and could have been caused by drug use or that she got away to start a new life somewhere. I don't believe the latter to be true based on everything that was left behind. Her license, her purse, she didn't have a working phone or a vehicle. It's also not typical, at least from my perspective, having come from a family with users. Addicts don't typically up and leave to a new place where they don't know where they'll get their next fix from. I'm not saying that it's never happened, but I don't think that's what happened to Dorothy. But someone out there does know what happened to Dorothy Yates McCatherine on January 21st, 2020. If that happens to be you, you can receive up to $30,000 and remain anonymous by calling Crime Stoppers at 318-673-7373 for any information leading to Dorothy's whereabouts and or an arrest. If you don't want to speak with anyone by phone, you can submit a form on the Crime Stoppers website at www.cscrimestoppers.org. Think back to your second grade teacher and imagine that their child is missing. It's time to do the right thing and bring Dorothy home.